Welcome to Talking Tax, a podcast brought to you by Bloomberg Tax. In this series, we sit down with leading tax practitioners who have contributed to the Bloomberg Tax journals, which cover a variety of topics of interest to attorneys, accountants, and other tax professionals. We really appreciate you being here and hope you enjoy today's discussion. This is Andrea Ben-Yosef of Talking Tax, and we are here today with Jim Calvin of Deloitte, and we are going to talk about a very hot topic, Bitcoin, and what it means for tax practitioners. So, Jim, thank you for joining us today. Welcome. And the first question I want to ask is, how does Bitcoin work? That's what everybody is, I think, often confused about. Well, sure. You know, I think, um, you know, it's hard to, uh, you know, summarize it. Uh, in just uh, a minute, but you know, I think it is it's is a open source peer to peer decentralized digital currency. Uh, it is not it is convertible into government or fiat uh, currency, but itself is not treated as a uh, as a uh, official currency of, of any government, um, and therefore it's it's property for tax purposes. It can be acquired uh, through a process called mining. It can be received in exchange for goods or services, um, but I would say most often now it's purchased uh, for money through a number of uh, exchanges, um, and then it can be traded, you know, outright. Or now we're seeing leveraged uh, uh, physical uh, using margin futures, forward swaps. Uh, Bitcoin uh, was originally described by an anonymous developer in 2008. Uh, the first one was created in 2009, and the uh, the code itself, the Bitcoin core source or source code itself, is on GitHub, and it can be freely uh, copied uh, by anyone uh, subject to an MIT license. The interesting thing about uh, Bitcoin is not just the technology, you know, which is people think of blockchain and cryptography, but you know, it really hangs together because of the interplay of the technology and the incentives and, and even the game theory uh, that keeps it all together based on a consensus of ownership. And uh, that consensus is maintained uh, through a process called called mining, where miners are rewarded for accurately recording transactions on the blockchain. And when they do this and everybody accepts it, then that block and the transactions and the transfers between people um, are validated and the miners rewarded for having done that that honestly. There's a limit on the number of Bitcoin that can be created, so there's scarcity. Uh, that, along with the innovation uh, that Bitcoin has uh, created, um, essentially creates, creates the value uh, that you're seeing uh, now in, uh, in Bitcoin. Everybody's intimidated by Bitcoin at first, and um, I think that's appropriate. I think it's good to be cautious uh, with Bitcoin, uh, where it used to be. I think it's becoming much more uh, easily acquired. Uh, the exchanges are much more user-friendly, um, and you don't really need to be able to engage in the sort of computational thinking and programming that you had to in the past. But you know, to a certain extent, you can't believe that there's a a good code fairy somewhere that's going to keep you safe because you really do need to take the time to understand the basics. Uh, and I think it's going to become more important as we go forward to be able to take your coins, your Bitcoins off an exchange and know how to store them privately. 
So in order to do that, you have to understand things like wallets and Bitcoin transactions, addresses, and managing private keys. And I think we're going to see this become an imperative, not not so much from the tax side, but you know probably it's more likely going to be driven from the regulatory side. Uh, Friday, uh, the CFTC proposed an interpretation that could limit you know what is stored on an exchange, how long it can be stored before that exchange is is treated as subject to their jurisdiction. And I so so that's going to mean you know users have to take their Bitcoin off exchange if that was to be uh, uh, finalized in its current form. Um, but I think, you know, probably the place to start is really to understand that, you know, uh, Bitcoin is a, it's a peer-to-peer, open-source, decentralized digital currency. And it doesn't really, you know, right now act as a, a mechanism uh, for transferring money. It used to, um, and it will. I mean, there are... Uh, developments taking place right now that create second uh, layer applications like Lightning Network. And, you know, those will enable uh, transferring uh, Bitcoin and treating it as a medium of exchange more than a store of value like it is now. And right now, it's more like gold. And it trades that way. It's a, it's a commodity. And, you know, when you get right down to it, the, the transactions uh, that are recorded on the blockchain are really the key, I think, to understanding how how it's taxed. Uh, if you are on the buy side, if you're treating this as an investment or you're trading it, because the transactions are stored uh, like you would with dollar bills or $5 bills or $20 bills in your wallet. Uh, when you want to transfer those to somebody or send them to somebody, uh, you can't, you know, if you want to transfer, you know, 50 cents to someone, you can't rip a dollar bill in half and give them a dollar. Or give them, you know, half of the dollar bill. Uh, what you do is you would give them the dollar, you get fifty cents back, and effectively, you know, that's how uh, Bitcoin transactions uh, operate. There isn't an account, you know, by person, um, by entity uh, holding Bitcoin uh, for that entity, uh, but there are all these uh, transactions, and if you hold the private keys to those transactions, they are accumulated in a thing called a wallet. And that can be hosted on an exchange like, like a Coinbase or a Gemini. Um, or you can hold them privately off an exchange in a wallet that's either software or hardware. And in that way, you know, you can keep them safe, uh, yourself. Um, and the interesting thing about Bitcoin and, and why you see all sorts of different versions of cryptocurrencies and virtual currencies, a lot of these are open source. Bitcoin's open source. Anybody can go onto GitHub. They can copy the core source code. They can make changes to it. Um, and they can create their own version of Bitcoin. And, um, if they can get enough of the community, uh, to support it, um, they can have a, uh, operational cryptocurrency themselves. And so you see, you know, in the market now, there are hundreds of uh, virtual currencies uh, that are tradable. So, you know, in that, you know, sense then because they're tradable, they're exchanges, you know, it has become a uh, a digital or an asset class on its own. And uh you see uh investors including funds allocating uh some of their um, assets uh to virtual currencies. Bitcoin tends to be uh, the one where 
I think most of uh, the investments being made now uh, simply because of the, the depth of the market there. So, Jim, what are chain splits and hard forks, and how are chain split coins taxed and when? Well, because the uh, uh, Bitcoin Core uh, software uh, can be copied, that that essentially is what creates uh, chain splits and hard forks. So a copy of the uh, software uh, that changes its consensus rules uh, can create a hard fork uh, in the blockchain. And what that will do is cause a chain split. And if it's if that if that new version of Bitcoin uh, is adopted and activated by miners and intermediary nodes and wallets and you know, businesses, uh, you will, would then have a hard fork of Bitcoin. You would still have the original Bitcoin, but now you've got another version. Uh, they share the uh, transaction history prior to the uh, forked version of Bitcoin. And because of that, because they share this transaction history, you end up with these things uh, that I'll call chain split coins. So if you had a Bitcoin before the chain split, you would now have that Bitcoin plus a uh, chain split coin uh, that you could claim uh, by using uh, your private keys if you maintain those off exchange. If you've kept your Bitcoin on an exchange, normally what will happen um, if uh, the exchange determines that the uh, forked coins, the chain split coins, are are safe, um, secure, and they can support them, uh, they may in fact, you know, credit you directly with those chain split coins. Uh, they may alternatively um, credit you with the cash if uh, they decide that they're not going to support that coin on the exchange, or they may not do anything. Um, there are, you know, a lot of uh, airdrops that you might be entitled to because you own Bitcoin. There might be other chain splits you could be entitled to as a result. A lot of these are can be nuisances. A lot of them don't have value. Uh, there are uh, a lot of risks as well in claiming uh, chain split coins because in some cases... Uh, you would have to use a wallet created by the developers of that uh, that new version of Bitcoin. In order to do that, you might have to transfer your private keys or put them at risk. A lot of times that's not worth the effort um, or the risk of doing so, depending on the value. So, you know, in a lot of cases, these chain split coins, um, you know, will be valuable. Others, uh, they won't be. And for that reason, uh you will see uh, people uh, claiming them or not claiming them on the basis of, uh, of the value and the risk and the trade-offs that go along with it. And so once, does the tax depend on whether or not they are claimed? Yeah, I think um, the most useful analogy for tax would be, uh, and there is precedent uh, that I think is very similar, uh, is the case of um, uh for example, a, a book reviewer, a uh, book reviewer, and there are a couple of revenue rulings um, from the 1970s. Um, actually, there's one. If you, if you read them both closely, you realize that the late, later one was was really the one that uh, is effective. And a book reviewer, uh, because of their position as a book reviewer, um, is sent uh, books to review. Um, the publisher hopes they'll review them and. Uh, um, but the book reviewer 
doesn't need to accept them all. Um, they didn't solicit them. Um, they didn't pay for them. And, and the IRS, uh, ruled that it's only when the reviewer exercised dominion and control over the books, and in that case it was by, uh, donating them, uh, to charity, that the book reviewers became taxable. So even if you received, you know, many books, um, if, uh, you did not exercise dominion and control over those books somehow, uh, they wouldn't have been treated as taxable. And then, um, Prior to that, there was a ruling in 1963 uh, dealing with uh, unsolicited uh, security subscription rights. So shareholders of one corporation uh, received rights to subscribe to securities in another corporation. And again, there, uh, the IRS held that you know, the recipient of those, those rights weren't taxable on them unless and until they exercised dominion and control. And it very similar to um, chain split coins. So if you hold Bitcoin, uh, you may anticipate, may expect, you might might even have bought the Bitcoin because there was a chain split or, or the expectation of chain splits. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're taxable on them unless you exercise dominion and control. And, you know, I think it's, it's it you know, the analogy is close enough that it seems appropriate here, um, simply because a lot of the chain split tokens or coins are ones that uh, carry risk with them. You may never want to claim them, um, and they may not have any value to you. So I think that's probably the right way to look at it. So in, until you do exercise dominion control over the chain split coins, which could be, um, you know, you actually claim them uh, by using a uh, chain split tool uh, or your wallet supports uh, the coins and you, you undertake that um, or you know possibly a, a third party who's acting as your agent does it on your behalf uh, that you would be taxable. Okay, thank you. That was very helpful. So as a tax practitioner, what questions about Bitcoin do you get the most? Uh, well, most, most of my questions right now are... Uh, Related to investing and trading uh, in Bitcoin, and uh, you know, so Bitcoin obviously has has many uses. Uh, it could be uh, used for payment of goods or services, um, but you know, my my perspective is really from the investment and trading side. And you know, the first first question, and really the first one that's that's always got to be asked is, how is Bitcoin classified for federal income tax purposes? And the IRS and 2014 uh, issued a notice uh, in which they said that uh, convertible virtual currencies like Bitcoin were property, and uh, that was property, but they were not uh, foreign currencies that could uh, generate foreign currency exchange gain or loss. So they are property. Um, However, the uh, notice didn't go any further. Uh, Based on the uh, precedent that exists, and, and also the fact that uh, regulated futures contracts are trading now in Bitcoin, the uh, the likely uh, treatment is as a commodity for federal income tax purposes. And once you've classified uh, Bitcoin as a commodity, then you can pretty quickly iterate through the other tax rules and the other questions that come up. 
Uh, occasionally, there will be um, some difficult analogies that need to be made in order to uh, call in other precedent. But I think most um, practitioners in the area feel pretty comfortable that Bitcoin uh, is a commodity. And then it's a question of, okay, you know, that's the likely answer. Then how much more comfortable uh, do you get uh, based on, you know, the fact that there are futures, you know, that do trade on Bitcoin? Um, you know, can you uh, then become comfortable that it's a commodity, for example, for the um, uh, the Section 864 uh, B2 uh, safe harbor for trading uh, to avoid a, a U.S. trader business? Um, and for publicly traded partnerships, uh, those sorts of questions. So, um, you know, I think right now that that's really the main, you know, uh, first question that always gets asked. And then, you know, you also get questions regarding wash sales, short sales, constructive sales. Do they apply to Bitcoin? Um, and I think on the basis that it's a commodity, you'd probably say the wash sale rules are unlikely to apply. Um, you know, short sales probably don't apply either. Um, it is possible, though, that uh, the um, fact that you've got futures now trading, that you could uh, uh, be subject to the modified short sale rules, maybe the straddle rules um, as well. But, you know, typically just a, the, the short sale rules wouldn't be expected to apply. And, you know, constructive sales uh, don't seem to be applicable here, at least the statutory constructive sales, because um, 12, Section 1259, which is a statutory rule, applies with respect to uh, stock and debt or partnership interests. So it seems unlikely that uh, you know that would apply to Bitcoin as a uh, as a commodity. So those you know those are the kind of the main tax accounting or tax issues that do come up uh, for investing and trading. The other interesting question that does come up as well is how how does one determine uh, which Bitcoin has been sold? So this is a, a question that comes up under Section 1012, uh, which is you know identifying uh, the basis of a, uh, a property that has been uh, exchanged, sold, disposed of. Um, and here, Bitcoin, if, if you do control your private keys, um, you know, a Bitcoin transaction can be as unique as a physical stock certificate. Um, and so probably uh, the default uh, identification rule uh under Section 1012 would be actual delivery. If if you do hold your Bitcoin in a hosted wallet on an exchange, that's not the case. Uh, so you would you'd want to have standing orders such as uh, highest in first out or last in first out, um, to, unless you wanted to have uh, first in first out apply, which would be typically the default if you didn't have any any other specified convention. Now. The interesting thing under Section 1012 is that uh, 1012C, this is in the case of a specified security, uh, that you apply the conventions on an account-by-account basis. And right now, um, I don't think, and I think most people would agree, that uh, Bitcoin is not a specified security uh, because uh, it is a uh, likely to be a commodity, and until... Uh, the Treasury or IRS uh, indicate that it's a specified security. 
uh, it wouldn't be subject to uh, Section 1012C, which would require account-by-account basis um, application of the conventions and the regulations. So, you know, that's I think that's got um, some pluses and minuses to it. Uh, You really do need to be aware that it isn't account-by-account, that it could be treated as you know, every Bitcoin that you own or control uh, would be subject to um, the uh, subject to 1012 generally. So then it would come down to what did you actually deliver or do you have a uh, standing order? So has IRS issued any guidance on this as yet or do you expect that to come? I don't know. I, I don't believe that uh, we can expect anything Soon, I have not heard that anything is in the works, and uh, so I, I, I just don't know how how soon we could expect to see anything. I, I, I think I would look at the identification of of what was sold as uh, fairly. Uh, I don't want to say certain, um, but it's just not as uncertain as some of the the other issues that may need to be tackled. Uh, with respect to um, crypto, you know, uh, virtual currencies generally. Okay, and my last question concerns the fact that they just started the futures market in Bitcoin. So what are the ramifications of that, both from an investment and a tax perspective? Well, the uh, the futures contracts, now if you've got the CBOE, uh, Bitcoin futures contract, which uh, launched... Uh, last week, and um, the CBOE is a uh, uh, would make the contract a regulated futures contract for for tax purposes. Um, thus, it should be a Section 1256 contract, and that would be the same with the CME Bitcoin futures uh, when they launch. I think we'd expect those to be regulated futures contracts as well. And in that case, uh, the contracts that are held at the close of the the year would be marked to market, so they're treated as if they were sold on the last business day of the year. And then any gain or loss will be treated as uh, 60% long-term capital gain or loss and 40% short-term gain or loss. And, you know, I think here, the um, if you do have a short position, so now you, you can take a short uh, position in, in Bitcoin uh, through these futures contracts uh, that can offset a long position. And therefore, that can create a straddle. Um, and in that case, losses uh, could be deferred. And that would be to the, you know, if there was an offsetting uh, gain in the uh, uh, position, other position, other side of the position, uh, until the straddles uh, collapse. And it could also cause the holding period to be terminated or suspended. So, you know, if, if, if you've held uh, Bitcoin uh, for 11 months, and outright, um, and you enter into a short futures contract on Bitcoin, uh, that can create a straddle. And in that case, um, you could cause the holding period uh, to be terminated um, or suspended and uh, in the position that you had held outright for 11 months. Uh, if you do have a loss on the uh, futures contract, that may be deferred until you close out the uh, the long position that you've got in Bitcoin. So there, you know, it's 
I, I think it's not that much different than anything that we've, you know, experienced before with Section 1256 contracts. It seems fairly certain that the CBOE and the CME uh, futures contracts will be 1256 contracts. And so it's just a matter of understanding that uh, Bitcoin, you know, is likely to be treated as actively traded personal property and uh, all the things that uh, come along with that, particularly in the strata rules if you're using offsetting positions. All right. Well, thanks. It's all very new, and I know a lot of people are dealing with how to deal with, with Bitcoin. You see it in the news every day, and this has certainly given us a good start on how to approach it from a tax perspective. So thank you again for talking to us, and we might be coming back to you again for the next stage in Bitcoin. Okay. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloomberg Tax and subscribe to Talking Tax on iTunes or SoundCloud. Tune in next time for more discussions on today's hot tax issues with leading practitioners.